Off the ball. Somebody says this is bizarre radio. Ice cream on a pancake. Tuna. <laughs> He's brought shame to the whole town, village where he lives. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The Six Nations show on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team, we all belong to the team of us. You're very welcome along to the Six Nations show with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. It's Nathan with you this evening and Keith Wood and Grace Davitt are with us as well. Evening, Grace. Evening, Nathan. How are you doing? Very good. Keith, how are you keeping? Uh, great form, thank you, Nathan. How are you? I'm all right. We're back. We had a little uh, break last week, but back with a bang this weekend. Italy against Ireland gets us underway. Two fifteen at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome on Saturday. Wales England will go ahead. Four forty five at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, and then on Sunday, France against the unbeaten Scots at the Stade de France in Paris at three o'clock. If you missed it, the Ireland team was announced by Andy Farrell earlier today before the squad took that flight to Rome. Six changes uh, for the Ireland team that started with two victories to this tournament. Uh, Ross Byrne, as expected, is one of them. Johnny Sexton is travelling, but he's not fit to start. So Ross Byrne will make his first Six Nations start uh, in what is a new look halfback line because Craig Casey will also make his first championship start at scrum half, taking over from Connor Murray. Ian Henderson comes in for the injured Ty Byrne in the second row. Ronan Kelleher starts in place of Rob Herring. He's out of the matchday squad. Dan Sheehan is going to be the replacement hooker and in the centre Bundy Aki uh, will win uh, his cap in the centre alongside Stuart, uh, alongside Gary Ringrose uh, Stuart McCluskey drops to the bench and the back three remains the same Hugo Keenan uh, James Lowe and Mac Hansen uh, James Ryan as we said will be partnered by Ian Henderson and Jack Conan is into the side as well so he'll start at number 8 Kevin Doris at 6 and Josh van der Fleer at 7 uh, 6 changes Keith like this is the game we always get excited about and we want a dozen changes and try all these guys who've just been on the periphery uh, not really the Andy Farrell way No I, I I really like the side I like the changes I like um, we were just, just chatting um, off air but I, I, I like the fact that you don't like the fact that guys are injured, but the injuries have given an opportunity for other players to show what what's what it's worth. So I think we seem to be building our strength and depth a lot during this competition by not changing too much. And I know that sounds kind of slightly counterintuitive, but there was three or four injuries at the start and we're now beginning to get strength and depth in those positions. And so I'm delighted to see Casey starting at nine. Um, I think he's the best passer in the group. Um uh, I want him to play the way he started playing a couple of years ago. Um, I thought he did that for the most part when he came off the bench last, uh, well, two weeks ago. Um, and I just think we're getting to see players playing in combination. So it's very rare that we change a nine and 10 and that has injury enforced inside. And I think Casey would have started anyway. Um, but Ross Byrne gets his chance as well. So it's... I. <sighs> Like I'm, I just I like it. I like the, the the match two weeks ago was best game of rugby I've ever seen Ireland play, and mm. and we make six changes. So, you know, when did that really happen in our past for a competitive match? So I like it. Are we past the stage, Grace, of thinking about this as a potential banana skin? Like it's ten years, uh, not just since Italy beat Ireland, but Italy have actually won a home game in the Six Nations, as Keith said. Like the the Irish performance last time out is as good as it gets like this isn't the isn't the match we're going into thinking about winning it's 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 a matter of how much 
Yeah, it is. But I think what Andy Farrell will be looking for is that performance. We've seen like brilliant cohesiveness with the likes of Beelham coming in and we're all like, oh, Tyg Furlong's missing. What are we going to do? And Beelham has stepped up and, you know, as Keith Woods said there, like, you know, with the changes, but Tom O'Toole, you know, Keane Healy's available. Tom O'Toole is still on that bench, which is really good to see that. And I think the performance is going to be key, the cohesiveness of all the changes. He'll be expecting the exact same standards for them to play the exact same level. And, you know, the fact that you're bringing Lions onto a starting team, it's definitely not like these players that are coming on are, are going to be any less, um, I suppose, of any talent. You know, they're huge, amazing players. You know, Conan coming on and, and Ian Henderson, like, are just going to add to that. And I think Italy will put it to them and they'll be really physical. But I, I still think with the way that Ireland are playing and with that depth of the squad and with even, you know, the likes of who can come on off that bench that they can they can put in a really big game. Uh, Keith, it does feel with Ross Byrne, maybe we've finally, finally reached the end point of that discussion of who is the backup to Johnny Sexton. This is still a big, big game for Ross Byrne. It's the first time it have started the Six Nations game. But also he's had a couple of weeks now where it's sort of been known that Johnny Sexton wouldn't be playing. It's not a case that Sexton's been rested. You know, he's been struggling with a bit of an injury. So he'll have been able to lead training over the last couple of weeks as well. He'd been able to have a full and proper preparation for this. He's not alongside Gibson Park, though. He's not alongside Conor Murray. He's alongside Craig Casey, who's in a similar position. So does he need to have a more senior role, actually, at out half to maybe what if it was Murray or Gibson Park there? I don't think so. I, I it's it's I think for a lot of the conversations that we have with Sexton, um, that his longevity has been bolstered by a system that pretty much protects him. And um, I have to say, I think Ross Byrne fits into that system as well. And he just needs to play like he does. He doesn't have to play exactly like Johnny. And I, and to be honest, I don't think he can play exactly like Johnny, but he can play. Um, like a very stable version of Johnny, if that makes sense. Mm. And um, uh, like Johnny has, I don't know whether it's a rugby IQ that seems to work at a different level and that this system is based around him, whereas he can pull whatever string needs to be pulled. Um, I don't think Ross has as much time on the ball as Johnny has um, mentally. So um, Johnny can know when to pull the last pass very, a little bit later than than anybody else. I don't think Ross can do that quite as well. Um, and we do lose a little bit of a cutting threat because of that. But he needs to be comfortable within that system and see how it works for him because I think he plays very well. He is not a guy who attacks the line. He is not a guy who draws a lot of people onto him. He doesn't get... Um, uh, sucked into that too much but he still can have a big influence on the game I don't know that he needs to be the senior player he's not a senior player as such he hasn't played a huge he's played a good few games but he needs to be able to play and feel comfortable for himself in the jersey and if that is as a senior player that's fine but I mm. for, for me I just like him to go and play make the right decisions make the decisions he feels he should make not that anybody else should make and he just needs to be Ross Byrne. He doesn't need to be Johnny Sexton. 
and it's not as if he's coming into this position for the first time ever because he does it all the time with Leinster Grace where Johnny Sexton rarely plays at this stage in the URC and misses plenty of games in the Champions Cup as well and it's not as if we look at Leinster and say well Johnny's not there they're going to come up with a totally new game plan just so it fits the Ross Byrne system he knows how to fit in a short notice at times but also alongside this quality of player he knows how to actually just put the head down and do what needs to be done yeah, and I thought what well, I was really impressed with, especially against the French in the last 20 minutes, was his composure. You know, Casey came on and Byrne came on and, and they really controlled the game. We've seen Casey put little kicks through, you know, keeping the French honest and Byrne did the exact same and, and pinned France back into their own 22. And when you look at that last try with Ringrose, it was like after 19 phases, you know, they managed to get through all those phases and control the match and and like that was with him on against the you know the second best team in the world and also his boot like kicking from uh for penalties you know he has a huge accessory you know he just seems so calm and composed and and i've no doubt like that with the amount that and i think that's really key this year is the amount that they've all been able to step up and step in without that disparity of saying oh i'm the second rank 10 or i'm the third rank thing now it's going to be key Hopefully that he stays on. Oh, the Garbisi is back in there for mm. Italy, you know, who is a real weapon and he'll have great passion and, and he'll be wanting to put him under pressure as well. Uh, James Ryan will captain the side in Sexton's absence. He was talking yesterday and uh, there's been a lot of articles written today, Keith, about his leadership and how maybe Gary Ringrose may well be the next captain at Leinster, that they put a lot of work into him as well. And it's been remarked upon that decision-making process that Ireland have so many senior players now, Peter Mahoney can chip in, that when they are making that decision, there's no shortage of, of big personalities there which you would have to feel is a, is a huge advantage for Ireland heading towards a World Cup. When you think back to, to that sort of decision-making on the field process when, when you were Ireland captain, was was it all on your shoulders or would you have felt you had a, a similar committee style? It was all on my shoulders at the start because I was shite at it. You know, that's the, the simple truth. You know, you, you're, you're going in. I was 24 years of age. You're trying to make the best decisions you can. There was... The team changed every week. Uh, the coach changed every nine months for about six or seven years. Um, you're looking for some level of consistency. You're looking for consistent voices. And actually, it's so different from what it was in the early 90s. If you raised a voice at all in the early 90s, you got dropped. You weren't uh, you weren't patted on the back for having a, had that sort of opinion. So, so that's kind of changed a lot. Um, when I got towards the end of my career, I did speak, still probably spoke too much, but um, but there were you were relying on players around you mm. um, to 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 be your eyes and ears to help you make decisions, and it didn't matter where it came from. You always talked about the spine of the team: two, eight, nine, ten, um, fifteen. You know that they would be able to see an awful lot. You've you've a great balance on it, but. Every now and then I'd get a bit of a bollocking from Claude that that wasn't the right decision to make and try to think about this one. And he only ever said it if he really felt it. And it was worth it when he did say it. Or Anthony Foley, who spoke very rarely. And if he did speak, you you nearly had to take what he said because he knew the game back to front. So um, it's become a little bit quieter in the midst of that period of time. So that's 20 years ago since I retired. So... Um, under um, under Joe Schmidt, I think there were certain players were were able to talk and 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 do it. But now it seems to be far more 
collective far more open they want to hear the voices from it the you know all the noise we're hearing of, of mm. the last year is that people are being heard they're they want their opinion they're not being challenged for their opinion you know it's not being ridiculed at any stage that you're trying to get everybody to have a voice and there still are the leaders then to make a decision that's and that's i think that's the healthiest that you can possibly have did you ever have that in the dressing room keith where actually everybody's voice was welcome um yeah we did, we did have it at the end actually um it, it was it was interesting it, it's funny where it's welcome is it welcome for every coach may not be is it welcome for the captain maybe is it welcome for uh, you know different times uh, of the season or uh, whatever level of the pressure is on all those things that you, we we kind of reflect back on now you were trying to learn it at that stage and it's it's become interesting that that's the case i i look i every bit of noise i hear from 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 ireland is um is the pleasure that it is to be in there and and that comes out about um good psychologist um it comes out about a, like a great head coach but it comes out also about people being appreciated for what they what they do and recognized for what they do and and some of that recognition is by getting the jersey and starting some of it's by winning but some of it's by that sense of pride of being involved in the squad so I, I think Grace touched on a point there it doesn't seem to matter of course it matters to a little bit of personal pride but the team pride takes over seems to be taking over at the present moment in time where People are really happy to be involved in the 23, but they're also happy to be involved outside it because they always know that there's a chance for them to get a chance. Those players that, that are on the outside then, it's quite interesting, the replacement selection as well, Grace. So Stuart McCluskey uh, drops out and Bundyaki comes in, but the likes of Jimmy O'Brien, Jamie Osborne, Jacob Stockdale, Jordan Larmer, who have all been in the squad for the last month, they're not in the 23 again again shows that he has a tried and trusted selection it's interesting as we start to move towards a, a potential World Cup squad like the probability is only one maybe two of those players get in there it, it, does that suggest that by the time it comes to a World Cup squad actually those guys will be fighting out purely on form and he doesn't really feel that he's going to learn a huge amount about them in a game like this that will get to his final decision come the end of August beginning of September for what his World Cup squad is yeah, it's one of the interesting ones because when I looked at Keenan Lowe and Hansen have all played the last two matches full 80 minutes and I was like, oh, like what do you've brought Larmer in, give him a chance, you know, Jimmy O'Brien in. Jimmy has been playing with Leinster at 15 and on the right wing, you know, we know what Keenan can do. He's been playing immensely out of his skin, but it just seems like, you know, there's enough changes in there maybe that consistent low hadn't got much rugby you know before the start of the six nations so he's probably like right well you know give him a bit more game time as well which is is crucial but yeah i i, I do really feel for them and, and as a a utility back as i was in my day and i was you know it was nearly worse because you ended up on the bench a lot because i could cover center i could cover wing and when you look you know we don't have that utility back McCluskey is a, is a center you know we don't really carry that back three uh substitute you know we know ring rose can can slip in there if if needed so I I feel there just isn't that spot for them at the minute with the dynamic of you know having your nine your ten and then your utility back so I I think it is difficult and I suppose 
it is relying on those injuries and going, well, you know, mm. one more injury, they could get their chance and, and they're getting it on merit. So, you know, fair play. And they just have to have that hunger and, and keep fighting. And hopefully, you know, via Scotland, via England, that they get an opportunity. Keith, you fancied yourself as a utility back back in the day as well for a while, didn't you? The odd game here or there? They refused to give me the jersey. Yeah, the, the coaches were happy about the it. Absolute disgrace. Um, like, it I, is I miss... What? I was going to say, if you look at that, it's a 33-man squad this time around. There's 23 players selected in this. We've spoken about six changes. There's four or five frontliners who were injured as well. There's going to be a lot of lads who I know you say in the periphery, they're all buying into this at the moment. But a lot of those players are going to start sweating quite soon about the possibility of how they actually, when it gets to the final numbers, make it into a World Cup squad. I think they are, I think there's a lot of guys sweating and we don't normally have that as as a situation so I think that's pretty that's pretty decent as well I I'm um I think we will see some of the players coming back in so you're uh, you're entitled to be remembered for how you play in a jersey if you're out injured but if somebody else comes in and fills it fully you and you're um aging you may not get the chance you know so the only person in that group I think that Grace mentioned that I would like I'd like to see Osborne I'd like to have seen him on the bench um I it's hard because McCluskey has come back in he's been he hasn't been in for a long while uh, he's been given a sustained chance this mm. time I think he's done well and um but Bundy has also delivered um for for Ireland and he's been out of it for a while so he gets a chance I just think Osborne offers something different and you just want, even if it's one bolter that you have for a World Cup because you never quite know, you'd like to have an unknown quantity in the middle of it because none of the opposition will really understand exactly what's going to happen with this guy either. So I'd quite like to see him get a get a get um, get an opportunity in off the bench. I thought it was going to happen in this game. That was one I was fairly certain and it hasn't. So um, yeah, for me, that's... Uh, but we're really picking holes in a selection. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be picking holes teams. as well when you're wandering around Killaloo tomorrow as well and they're going, what about Gavin Coombs? What about Gavin yeah. Coombs? Yeah, I Gavin Coombs, I'm, Gavin Coombs scores a lot of short tries. He is incredibly effective for Munster. I think he dropped away um, a chunk last year. I thought he, he when he came on the Munster scene, he did incredibly well. He dropped away a bit in standard. I think he lost his confidence a little. I think he's coming back into it. Um, I don't know that he's at the level that we're seeing on the team at the moment. And so um, it, it is a big uh, hill for him to climb with the quality of the players that are there ahead of him. So um, you're looking for a, a player to be involved in at the heightened level of Van der Fleer, Caelan Doris, you know, and uh, also, again, Grace mentioned it, um, you know, having Jack Conan coming back in, getting his confidence as the line's number eight. Um, we need a backup to um, to Caelan Doris um, because he is absolute standout. And I think Conan, um, um, Jack Conan's getting the chance, getting the opportunity. He needs to take it because Coombs is breathing down his neck, but Coombs needs to play at a like a really heightened standard now because some of the quality that we've been seeing for the last few weeks is incredible. 
What about Italy then, Grace? Ahead of the tournament on the first Six Nations show, we were talking about Kieran Crowley's comments at the launch and really seemed to be concerned about the lack of quality at his disposal and the lack of game time players we're getting with the club sides in Italy. Like they ran France very close in the opening game, you know, thirty-one fourteen against England. This after beating Australia, beating Wales last year, but their home record is pretty atrocious. On the flip side, Garbisi is back. Is this a keep a tight for an hour job if you're Italy and they'll be happy enough with that yeah like they're hugely physical they brought it to France and uh, and I think it was a bonus that it was the first game of the Six Nations for them you know where they're fresh they're strong they're not carrying any knocks and they really matched France with that physical power and then you have Car- uh Carbuzzi just tearing it up in the backs. Like, you know, it's a really good match between him and Keenan. Like, I was looking at some of the stats and they're so well matched with, you know, the meters made, you know, the amount of carries and, and line breaks that they have. And he's just really exciting. But I think with Garbisi there at 10, there'll be a lot more control. Not that Alan did a, a bad game, but it just, he just brings it up a next level. Um, But it's the quick ruck ball. Because of that physicality, they're able to get that quick ruck ball and they're able to keep it going. Now, I think the biggest thing that we've seen, obviously England wore them down and, you know, got some good tries and they just weren't able to finish anything that they they started. And I think a key thing is, you know, that we all, we all can see is their exit strategy and Vardy doesn't have that box kick. They mess about in their own um, 22 and and they get punished for it. And I, I just think even with Garbisi there, he'll add that extra kick option. But I think Ireland will just be able to put them under huge pressure, you know, pin them back down. You know, we see Burn pin France back. So if he can do that with France, I've no doubt he can do it with Italy. Often in a game like this, Keith, you would expect the opposition to come out all guns blazing, that Italy is the underdogs. But Ireland, the, the level of professionalism that they seem to have at the moment, the, the level that they're just showing week in, week out, you'd expect actually Ireland to start this game quickly and try and crush them as early as possible. Yeah, I think I think crush them is, is the wrong is the wrong phrase, actually. And I and I'm gonna say slightly disrespectful, Nathan, but I um the I would expect Ireland to come out and start from the first minute because they have to, and this is the opportunity for some of those players who haven't been picked to um, to really put their hand up, and that's that's just incredibly important for them to do it, and it is to be that professional, that accurate from the start. Um, I'm not so certain of the crushing of them. Um, I think this is a, a far superior Italian team than we've seen for a while. Um, I like. Crowley, he's quite miserable when he's talking, but he's kind of miserable fighting his own corner and he's um, um, he doesn't seem to be overly happy. Yet their performances have been pretty fantastic. But, you know, we're always looking at that performance and then getting from that performance to the wins. So their performances have been of the highest standard that we've seen from them. Even England kind of stultifying, kicking the ball constantly. I mean, England just kicked the ball in the 22 constantly, which was quite something. Um, and they got their win, but it was it was a dreadful way to, to win. And I think it frustrated um, Italy. I don't think Ireland will play in that fashion, um, but I think our pressure will be different. I think if we hold the ball a lot longer, um, we spread them wide, we bring it in tight, we, you know, the ability to hit up left and right off off rocks has been pretty fantastic. The opportunity to spread the forwards a lot 
their discipline still tends to struggle. If the longer you hold on to the ball, the harder it is for them to keep their discipline. Um, Ireland have looked unhurried for an awful lot of this championship. That's that's a great sign. They don't seem to be under as much pressure as everybody else seems to be. So that's a great sign to see. Um, I think Italy have a really good team. Um, some Negri for me is pretty phenomenal. Um, a lot of the forwards have been doing incredibly well. Nicotera has been doing really well. If they can stay into the game enough, they're not they're not suddenly having 10 or 15 penalties in a trot. No team has put them under that level of pressure. Um, they haven't given up the ghost like they have in times past. So, um, and I think they can now score pretty much from anywhere. And so I think it'll be a, a, a closer game um, than a lot of people would expect. I think we'll win and I think we could win with um, with a good few scores to spare but I think we'll have to fight unbelievably hard for that to be the case. So that's 2.15 Saturday. Uh, we do have a second game on Saturday. Wales-England is going to go ahead uh, despite all the threats of a strike from the Welsh players. Grace, when we were heading into the Ireland game, it was Warren Gatlin back, the emotion, a sold-out Millennium Stadium, the roof closed, and this would bring Welsh to a level we haven't seen over the past 12, 24 months. And everybody who was at that game said 10, 12 minutes in, the stadium was silent, that Ireland had survived it, there was no initial onslaught. And again, you're going into this week thinking it's England at home, all the emotion of what the players have gone through over the past couple of weeks. Is there anything actually on the pitch that we've seen from the first two games that can give this Welsh support any hope? No, I think they're firefighting at this stage. You know, they're really struggling, obviously, behind the scenes. I think, yeah, we thought Warren Gatlin was going to give them that stability that they needed he went with the old haunts the first time he changed it up he's now changed it again you know we seen that last game i was watching bigger's demeanor and you know he was so frustrated and and angry and and you know getting annoyed at the other players at dire he was giving out to him in the 22 and he got that bad pass and there was another pass out the back door where dire could have scored and you know he was just so frustrated and and to see him dropped and you know, Liam Williams is off. Obviously, we have Halfpenny back in. But it's just, I don't think, you know, they have that continuity that Ireland have. They haven't got that ability to slot people in. So with another third game, with a load of changes again, you know, against England, yes, you can have all the passion you want. But if you don't have the ability and and, and you have the match of inexperience, and it, it's, it's just... It's too broken up for me. You know, you have Zamet back in, who's done really well at club. You know, he, he really shone, but now he's stepping back into a, a new setup at, at Wales. And yes, it'll be great to have Halfpenny back in. But I, I think in the pack, yes, you know, there is that consistency. And we, we have obviously back row, uh, Falatau back in and Tubrick. So, you know, two really good players. But I think England you know, we'll be up for it. I think England will see the disruption in Wales to be like, yeah, we have this, you know, we've got the monkey off our back, we've beat Italy, but I still think it's going to be a tough game. It is still Wales in principality and they haven't, you know, they always seem to to pull it together. But, you know, and Bigger is on that bench and, and if he gets an opportunity to come on, I, I've no doubt like he'll have the bit between his teeth and, and wanting to prove himself. Um. So, yeah, it's just, it's so many changes. <laughs> 
It's uh, yeah, nine changes in total again for Wales. You say Biggers on the bench. So Owen Williams starts at out half. Lee Halfpenny's in at full back. As you say, Louis Rees Samets back in on the wing. Mason Grady makes his international debut in the centre. Keith, it's hard to see everything that's gone on over the past couple of weeks in Welsh rugby. How it can be a positive emotion that the players are bringing to the pitch on Sunday. If you so you've that it side, of it, and then with the actual tactical game plan of Warren Gatlin trying to figure out how he somehow gets a 15 that works together, which he seems to be really struggling with. Yeah, it, you know what? It doesn't even have to be positive. It can be absolutely bitter, you know, and 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 um, Gatlin, Gatlin does have that um, that ability to, um, to have a them against us and he doesn't care who the them is, you know, and he can say part of that's the WRU, part of it's the English rugby team, you know, part of it's the English fans. He doesn't care. Um, which is, and he's right not to, you know, the point is to try and get his team to an emotional pitch to play the game. Um, irrespective of how negative an awful lot of the last week was, and it does show the absolute precarious nature of uh, of our game, actually, at the moment. Um, Leicester having to have 13 million put in to stave off administration in the last week is quite extraordinary situation to have as well. So the game is in a in, in a state of crux, but um, but it's a game, and that's the manner in which they'll go about it. This is a game that they have to go and play. Um, a lot of guys that are there, not just the players on the field, but more so the players that aren't on the field, the club players that are in Wales, they've been united in an argument this week. You know, and it's finally come up to the eleventh hour, and they fought and fought and fought. And they've got a sense of security that they didn't have beforehand. That's positive, you know. And so they can have that positive on one side, put that in the back pocket and know that that job has been done this week. Then look at all the bloody bitterness that you can go and let's prove them right. Well, I'll show them sort of thing. That's that's a good place to be. I like I think it's a I think it's a cracking game because I think England are it's a really good selection from England, but they're totally um, have taken three steps back to try and build it back up again when they got the first step against Italy. But they're not playing in a style that would terrify you. They're playing in a style that will pin people back and wait for them to make mistakes, which Italy ultimately did. Down in Cardiff, that's harder. So I think it's an interesting selection. I don't know if it's a good selection or not. And I like some of those guys, are they over the hill or not over the hill? But I think they're two teams that are shy on confidence which makes for a really interesting afternoon in Cardiff. Uh, France-Scotland should be pretty tasty on Sunday afternoon as well, Keith. Uh, France have won 18 of their last 19 test matches on home soil. Scotland, the only team to beat them the last time they were there two years ago. And uh, Scotland went into that game uh, last time out uh, against Wales with everybody saying, well, inconsistency. How many years have we seen Scotland win the opening game and not be able to back it up? They backed it up. They're starting to think about a championship this year. Yeah, they backed they backed it up. A lot of that was um, was the kind of magic of Finn Russell, um, which again terrifies and excites in equal measure. And um, he he is given it's just an entirely different role of a ten. He's been given the opportunity. I mean, I know we've said this a couple of times. Townsend gets criticised for his treatment of him, and yet we're seeing him coming back to his best, and it's. 
do you have to drop him every six months to try and get the best out of him almost? You know, it's an interesting it's an interesting way of dealing with uh, an entire uh, maverick, really. Um, but he is brilliant. And when he's on form, he can be really brilliant. The Scottish, I think they're managing their expectation for the first time. I mean, I used to have great fun with Andy Nichol that if they scored a try, he'd he'd absolutely lose a run of himself. If they won a match, he'd be crying every minute for about six weeks afterwards. And it's calmed down somewhat. Um, they're kind of waiting to see what happens. And like this is a huge match for them. But I don't think they're under any pressure whatsoever. The pressure's on France to win at home. So if they go with that freedom to play and the right level of concentration, they can be really awkward. And they have they've proven to be good at destabilizing teams that should be winning. So they destabilize England. Now I don't think they should have won. I think Scotland were in a were in a better position. But they've beaten France a bit lately. You know, that's that's a big deal. And so they're not afraid of them anymore. And if they take this as a freebie, you know, they can't really go from losing a lot of matches to winning a Six Nations or winning a Grand Slam mm. um, and taking it that that has to be a huge pressure for them. I think they have to take this as being unlikely, but enjoy it. Yeah, Grace, just to finish then on, on this game, France were on that incredible winning run until Ireland uh, brought it to a, a pretty quick halt. There is a bit of pressure on them now at home because they don't need this to become a sudden malaise six months out from a home World Cup. Yeah, they have to keep that mentality up. You have the World Cup, they're playing at home. You know, they still have an opportunity maybe for the, the Six Nations, depending on how Ireland do, you know, for the rest of the games. So they will want to just nip it in the bud. And we know what the French mentality can be like, that, you know, that they get under a skim and you know, worry about it too much. But I think what Keith is saying is totally right. It, it is all in France's hands that they need to get that win. They're at home. They pushed it tight with Italy. You know, it wasn't a confident win. They've lost to Ireland away. You know, this is their home game now. They're going to want to put in a performance and show, you know, what they, what they can do going into a World Cup and especially at home. And I think Scotland, they've had them two good wins. You know, but I think it, it's I think it's a, a reach too far to say they're going to get three wins in a row. All right, Grace, great stuff as always. Cheers, Nathan. Keith, always a pleasure. Great, Nathan. Great to see you both. Enjoy it. All right, that was the Six Nations show with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. The Six Nations show on off the ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.